1967, a United States Senate subcommittee, they were told by some thinkers, uh, economists, thinking about the future, they were told that by the year 1985, the average American would work 22 hours a week, 27 weeks out of the year. You know, they, as they thought about this, they thought that the, the biggest problem that we would have in our country would be that we had too much leisure time. You want to know my question? What happened to that? <laughs> right? <laughs> Can you imagine working just 22 hours a week? And only half of the year? Maybe the problem would be too much leisure time. I mean, it hasn't come to pass. Their prediction wasn't true. I don't think there's very few of us who probably experienced a 22-hour work week at a full-time job. In fact, Americans today, we are working four more weeks a year than we were back in 1979. And Americans... In general, we work 136 hours more a year than the Japanese. 200 hours a year more than the British. And nearly 500 hours more than the French do. And so then, you know, it got me thinking like, okay, why are we working so much? And maybe that stems out of a real need. Maybe we really feel like we need to spend that much time. We, we need to put those hours in and we need to work hard because we, we have to put food on the table. We have to provide for our families. We need a roof over our head and, and shelter and, and everything else. And There's probably some truth there, but you know as well as I do that we live in a very wealthy country. In fact, as you look out at the globe and look, about, look at how wealth is distributed all across the world, if you make $25,000 a year, you are in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. And if you make $35,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. And of course, well, we're okay with that because we love our stuff, right? We want more and, and more stuff to fill our homes. And in fact, there are some staggering statistics that I could give you on that and, and our love of stuff because did you know that the, the storage industry, you know, like those storage units where you, you buy one to put your extra stuff in. It's a $38 billion a year industry in the United States alone. Storage units take up 2.3 billion square feet of space, which is about enough for every American to have their own seven foot square foot of space in our storage units. 
I got these statistics out of this book that I've been sharing with you from John Mark Comer, and he makes this comment that we could practically house our entire nation in our storage units. Now, I'm not blasting you if you have a storage unit. Don't get all upset. Walk out because you got stuff in a storage unit. That's not the point. But it's clear that we have enough stuff we have enough money. So why do we work so hard? Uh, are we just working for, for working's sake? Is there something else that's, that's driving us? Or, or is it just those things? Because I think all of you agree that, man, we get tired and we get weary and, and we want rest. And the Christian message is that Jesus, he offers rest. And we heard him say it himself today. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so we've been talking about it over the last several weeks. We've been talking about how we don't want our busyness to keep us from experiencing joy. How, how we want to just marvel and, and be present in the moment and see the good things that God has given to us in his creation. How we want to have a better view of time so that we don't waste it, but we use it for godly purposes and his glory. We want to find rest in God and Jesus offers it. Oh, he offers rest freely but it has a cost and Jesus offers this rest freely but it has a price and the price is that of our taskmasters today we're going to stop to remove the taskmasters over our life now, now what do I mean by that well, there are things that can sit over our hearts and over our minds and they can be the things that are driving us and motivating us and, and propelling us to work so hard. And as they sit and as they rule cruelly over our hearts and over our minds, they can be the very things that are keeping us from enjoying true rest in God. And there might be different things for different people. We mentioned some of them already. It might be this materialism, this desire for more and more stuff. It might be that we're driven to be successful, to find our accomplishments, to, to leave our legacy for this world. And, and it's not all bad. But when those things become a taskmaster, when they rule over our hearts and over our minds instead of Christ, we have a problem. And we won't be able to find real rest. And they like it. And they like that power. Satan likes it. He, he would love for anything besides Christ, to influence and motivate our daily decisions. 
in our daily living, our hopes and our dreams, our fears. So to stop and remove those taskmasters, to really come to Jesus, means that we have to completely reorient our entire way of thinking about everything. That's why Jesus tells you, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, a, a yoke was a tool that you would use in farming. Right? This, this bar kind of thing that you would put on the shoulders of an animal, whether it was an ox or, or a donkey or a pair of oxen or a pair of donkeys, but it would go on their shoulders and, and they would have to carry that yoke. And then that yoke, it could be attached to a wagon or a cart or a plow. And, and as they carried it and, and moved forward with it, then they would pull that that wagon, pull that plow. But a yoke was a, a burden. It's something heavy, something these animals had to carry. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. This had become a term that rabbis in the first century, they, they used frequently as they gathered followers, as they gathered disciples that there was a yoke, a, a way of living that they were putting forward and they would ask those disciples, those followers, to follow. And Jesus was no different. Take my yoke upon you. And Jesus says that this yoke is easy. This burden that he gives us, it, it's light. And when we carry that yoke, then we find rest. And so taking on this yoke of Jesus, that means to allow Jesus and only Jesus to rule your heart and your mind. And so this yoke is found, its center point is in the salvific message of the Bible. So much about taking on Jesus' yoke is to know and to understand and to truly believe that your identity is not found in what you do. It is not found in what you have. It is not found in how popular you are. But your identity is found entirely and completely in Christ. That as you come to Jesus, your life, your worth is defined by Jesus. Regardless of how many successes you have had or the lack thereof. Regardless of the possessions that you have amassed or the poverty in which you live. Regardless of your, your popularity with your peers or your social awkwardness. Your identity is in Christ. And what he has done. And who he is. And the riches and the treasures that, that he gives to you. 
Jesus holds out to you this different ideal, this different thought that can be a part of your mind and allow you to truly rest in him. That with Christ and and only with Christ are you living the life that truly is life. That's the message of Jesus' kingdom. The message into which he invites you, that your king, that he humbled himself to come to this earth, he humbled himself to die on a cross so that you are forgiven. So that you are redeemed. So that you are a child of God and that is your identity. That is who you are. That in Christ and his resurrection, he has promised you eternal life. That is what you have and what you possess. And that in Jesus, you are able to stand before God covered in his righteousness. And know that God loves you dearly. That you, you are popular with him. And as you find your identity in Christ, everything that then you do, it is done in the context of a Savior who died sacrificially to redeem you. It is done in the context of a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ who promises you that same eternal life. That's the yoke that you bear as you follow after Jesus. And it's this yoke, this identity in Christ that can eliminate the taskmasters over our life. Whatever those taskmasters might be. So, so you are not worried about your possessions and, and how much you have because you have come to realize that those possessions, they perish and they spoil and they fade and they pale in comparison to the riches of Christ. And you don't have to be so focused on your successes and your accomplishments and your achievements, those accolades that you can put forth because you know that none of them will ever measure up to the crown of life that is given to all who die in faith. That if you struggle with, with your popularity and, and you think about all of those digital taskmasters that can rule over our life, right? Our, our phones and our devices and, and our computers and all the, the dings and the notifications, everything that steals away our attention because, because you realize that Jesus is the one who is worthy of your greatest attention for all that he has done for you. And the greatest notification that you will ever receive is that constant and repeated refrain that Jesus says to you, I forgive you. You are my own. And so when you are blessed to trust in all these promises, when you find your identity in Christ, then you are freed to enjoy the rest 
that God offers, to receive this rest from God's hand. And so you can find the benefit of Sabbath. And we look today at two of the verses, two of the places where God in the Old Testament, he commanded Sabbath. This was not optional for God's people in the Old Testament. And I want you to understand that there is a ceremonial element to that. That in the Old Testament, God, he, he specifically dedicated the seventh day as the Sabbath day, Saturday. That was the day on which his people were to do no work. They were to, to rest, to remember their God and what he had done for them. But we know that in the New Testament, after Jesus had come, as he had fulfilled the law, the Apostle Paul, under inspiration by the Holy Spirit, he writes to the Christians in the city of Colossae and he tells them, let no one judge you by your celebration of the Sabbath or not. He, he said that that was a, a shadow and the reality is found in Christ. And so as New Testament Christians, you and I, we are no longer bound to set aside, specifically dedicate that specific day, Saturday, as a Sabbath. There's a freedom that we have in Christ. But I also want you to think about and consider and understand that just because we are no longer bound to a specific day, that doesn't mean that there isn't value in Sabbath. That there isn't value for us and, and for our faith and, and the growth. There isn't value in finding rest and setting aside a specific moment, day, time, in a rhythm to enjoy the rest of God. Because when you do that, when you celebrate Sabbath, when you find time to rest, you are purposefully and intentionally reminding yourself of the identity that you have in Christ. So let's take a look at those two places where God speaks of Sabbath and what we can learn from them. First of all, we find that this rest, it is rooted in the rhythm of creation itself. So as God provides his commandment to his Old Testament people for the first time, he makes that point. And he says there, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, what made that seventh day so special, so important? Now, God had done amazing things throughout the days of creation, miraculous things. He caused the mountains to rise up. He made the lakes and the seas and the rivers. He, he, he flooded the world with animals and, and this amazing diversity of creatures and birds of the air, fish of the sea. He created human beings amazing things but then it's when he finishes and when he stops and he rests that we're told that God made that day holy. Now what was so special 
about that day. Adam and Eve, the first two human beings, they came into this creation, this wonderful thing that God had given to them. And they were able to enjoy it with a perfect, peaceful, personal relationship with their God. And so when God set this rhythm of work and rest for his people, he wanted to remind them of Eden. But not just the garden, not just all the good things that were there, to remind them of this perfect, peaceful, personal relationship with their God. And so as we celebrate Sabbath in the ways that we will, Imperfect as it may be, it is a return to Eden. It's reminding ourselves that in Christ Jesus, we are at peace with our God. We enjoy his presence. We have a perfect relationship with him because it has been covered over by the blood of Christ. And it's personal. He knows us. And so we can find the joy in God to trust him. To trust him yet again that if I stop my work, if I take my hand off the plow or the phone or the keyboard or the drill, or the hammer, or the pen, or whatever it is that you use in your work, that, that if I take my hands off of that God because he loves me, he will still provide for me, he still cares for me, and I can rest in him and his promises. The weekend itself was a creation of God. It's pretty amazing. Historically speaking, there no evidence of anything like the, the Sabbath, like taking a day off anywhere in ancient cultures, ancient history. And for the historians who would have a hard time and, and they have this presumption and, and they assume that it couldn't possibly have originated with the Israelites, the best that they can do is to describe it as an anomaly, an unexplained mystery, and yet it has taken hold, right? Everyone loves the weekend. Everyone loves a day off from work and, and in a regular rhythm that we enjoy that. And yet, as much as we love it, today we've taken this, this break away from work so that we can do more work. We're going to invest our time and our energy in other things, but never really truly find rest. And God wants us to to find this time, to find a day, to find this time away from the taskmasters that control our hearts and lives. And that's the second reason that he gives for providing the Sabbath. As you look in Deuteronomy where Moses explains it there, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that you, the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. 
in the history of God's Old Testament people, the time spent in Egypt was not pleasant. Egypt also was a wealthy, rich, prosperous, powerful country. And they wanted to stay that way. And so they would build their power, they would build their riches on the backs of slaves. Hebrew slaves. And you think about those taskmasters over those Hebrew slaves, they would not allow them to rest. They would not give them time for that. Their goal was to work them as hard as they possibly can to get as much out of them as they possibly could to get as much out of this warm body until it became a cold body. God had rescued his people from that. And God has also rescued us from the taskmasters over our hearts and our lives who would say, drive, 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 work, 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 push, push, push. He has rescued us from that so that we can find rest. Because at the end of the day, I think the real reason that we work so hard and so much, and the real reason that we maybe don't find things that are truly restful for us in our leisure at the end of the day, I think buried deep inside is this, this desire to be worthy. Worthy in some way of God's love, of God's goodness, his blessing, to earn it. But we've been set free from that. Because our identity is in the blood of Christ and we know that the blood of Christ covers over every single day for us. It makes us worthy apart from anything that we have done. It allows us to stand before God knowing that we have been declared righteous. It's not about our offerings, our, our gifts, what we have done. It's about Jesus. His suffering, his holy, innocent death. And it is Jesus who tells you that you can find rest because he says to you that you are more than enough in him. You are more than enough in Christ and in Christ alone. So the challenge that I want to give you as we close out this series, as we close out talking about the rest of God, is to think about how can we bring this idea of Sabbath time to rest, time to reflect on who we are in Christ and to enjoy the things that God has given us. How, how can we bring that into your life? And maybe it's a regular rhythm. Maybe it's taking a day. Maybe it's taking a few hours. But to purposefully and intentionally remind yourself of your identity in Christ and who you are. To come to Jesus. All who are weary and burdened, come to Jesus because he will give you rest. Amen.